0: McConkey, do you want to get freaky
1: Dave do I ever freaky is our new favorite movie and even you are gonna watch it who tends to be a little queasy in the horror movie department squeam town USA but, uh, but i gonna... writer Michael Kennedy uh, here today is our guest and freaky mm-hmm. is available on video on demand so get at it everybody's gonna love it um, before we get to that I'd love to just break down your look today, Dave, for the people okay. who aren't lucky enough to see you with this okay. very—I uh, would say—emo but erotic um, oh. look that's oh, thank happening. You. Thank the you. The mustache is still going strong.
0: Mustache is going strong. I have not showered. Um, I am wearing a, uh, a, a, a Topo Designs beanie, a, um, a a hoodie that I received in a in a gift bag from a, uh, luxury weed product company. Oh,
1: and, what does uh, that
0: hoodie say? I've been trying. It to- says besito.
1: It's a line gonna... of like vape pens. And, and the, 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 the beanie is black. The hoodie is black. Uh, yeah. we've got the mustache and the glasses, just creating a really nice mood and just wanted the people who are not lucky enough to see it, to, to feel it.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for pointing it out. How, uh, how is your holiday
1: weekend so good awesome. so just uh, had the whole family over and uh went to so many re- i don't know i don't know it was fine it was so boring it, i mean it was yeah. lovely it was fine we just had two canadians over kept them at a distance got food from whole foods and then watched so much of the new season of the crown it's so good.
0: oh same for once we're watching this exact same thing where are you in it we are just we just saw the wedding. It was just up to the wedding, so that's maybe two or three. Oh, is
1: yeah, uh, you Something are like in that. for a ride. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. But by the way, if you think that you're gonna get the full wedding in the next episode, I just oh no, wanna, no, 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 yeah, no, there, I, I didn't. there's. I, I was surely like they're gonna give us the whole royal wedding, and they don't. They just no. give us a glimpse. Maybe um, it's just a tiny glimpse. So we have watched
0: a but we. I saw some of season one and a little bit fell off with it. And then I was like, I feel like season four, I'll be able to just like hit the ground running with it. So, so we started there. However, when we started uh, the night before Thanksgiving, I was drunk. So oh. we started watching in the middle of season three, inadvertently. I was just, I was, oh. I was drunkenly going through the menu. So we started with the one where it's uh, Helen and Bonham Carter Uh, And she has the little boy toy and she takes him on the boat and they pay him off to go away. So that's where we started, which actually is not a bad place to start.
1: Oh, she's some, her moments are some of the best moments of the show, but you're going to get some of those, some of those, uh, vibes in, in the new season as well. I, it strikes me, I have never heard you simply say I was drunk, even though I know we, you know, both uh, like to have a drink, uh,
0: you know, um, what was but there's simply no other way to say it. Right. Um, yeah, we. Uh, I got a. I got a shipment of Brazilian sparkling wine. We drank a lot of it over the course of the holiday weekend. Um, yeah. No. Outstanding. Did, did you cook? I did toasted ravioli, a St. Louis delicacy. Oh, of course. Yes. Um, that was my. That was my contribution to our little potluck with our with our um, quarantine pod, which we did have a bit of drama. Um, one of the people in the pod uh, got very sick on the day oh, of thanksgiving and so we we're like Shh, okay it now it's in our circle um and, and he got tested and he's negative it was just food poisoning but he oh. there there was a tense couple of days where we thought you know and even with him you know he and i like bike together and stuff and we keep it distant and all that so i don't i don't think i would have been at risk even if he had tested positive but he didn't
1: so Ooh, close call you right you uh on a brighter note, we've yeah. got another five-star review that we have what? to share with the people. We do? Um, yes. Uh, a, a lovely listener by the name of Jason. Oh, and that says his name spell. very slowly. Five out of five drag queens recommend. I love this podcast so much. I may finally buy some Mac Weldon underwear. Thank you. Seriously though, Matt and Dave are a fantastic duo and they get the best guests. Although I'm dying to know which are the ones they always hint at who weren't as friendly, slash, easy to talk to as the rest. Oh, oh you're not gonna man. get us you're not gonna catch us out like that, Jason. No. but but if you ever see us back in the real world someday in the future. Jason, ask us, we'll tell you. Ask us. Yeah, we'll absolutely tell you. But on the air,
0: no, we can't do it. We don't have the heart. Um, We also have a question. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is something you will talk about on the air, right? Absolutely, at length. Uh, You shoo about that? Asks, Dave, are you still listening to any country music at all? Um, I am still listening to the stuff that I said I was listening to when I said I was listening to country music, which is to say the new Brett Eldridge album, Sunday drive. Oh, right, it's fantastic. Right, right. All right. I'm um, adding but it to other the than that. Not really. Um, I'm on air at uh, the spectrum on Sirius XM and we're playing the new Chris Stapleton song, which I like a lot. So uh-huh, I'm okay, to that okay, when I play okay. it. Um, but yeah, no, right now, what am I? Oh, uh, Biba Doobie is all I have time for now. Um, she is a uh, a new young British artist she has an album out called Fake the Flowers. I cannot recommend it highly enough, Matthew. I actually think it'll be right up your street.
1: Great. I'm
0: B-E-A um, uh,
1: she's fantastic. Badooby. Yeah, um, Thank me. You're later. fantastic. And Michael Kennedy is fantastic. He is. He's our guest this week. He co-wrote the movie with Chris Landon, who directed it. And Chris Landon is a big, um, you know, horror guy who did like the- uh, Oh, Paranormal Activity? Paranormal Activity. Um, But anyway, Michael is uh, a delight. And uh, the movie's called Freaky. It's on video on demand on today. Here he is. We're back with Michael Kennedy. Hi, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. How are your spirits? Um, tired? Ooh. My spirits are tired.
2: Yeah. yeah. How about yeah. you?
1: Oh, the same. Yeah. You know, we were yeah. to, our producer, Renee, was saying before we got on, how it's, life is now just like not even a series of highs and lows, but just kind of like a steady low where you don't really <laughs> enjoy any of the things that you used to enjoy. It's like, you just can't feel joy anymore. Yeah. 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 It's
2: hard. It's hard to, but so much to be grateful for. Um, (laughs) So I,
1: you, you started to tell us about your dog before we started recording. Can you, can you tell us the story of how she came to the family?
2: Of Scooby Strode, Lady Scooby Strode. Yeah. Um, So I, I was working a production job when, we sold freaky so i um but we had always wanted a dog but my boyfriend who works for warner brothers yeah i was working at family guy who dave is friends with damian faye um and i know damian um i was working production at family guy and we both were like we want a dog, but we didn't think it was fair to bring a dog into the house if one of us wasn't gonna be home with it during the day. I didn't want to be a dog dad that was putting the dog in a crate for yeah. nine hours a day. So we always said when one of us had the opportunity to work at home, we would get the dog, and that happened when I sold freaky. I was um, sold freaky, and then three months later I sold a pitch because of the freaky project. Um, so I was able to quit my day job. And be home with the dog starting in January Love of this it. year. So she was a Christmas present from my boyfriend.
1: Oh, yeah. And did you quit the job in a blaze of glory and just fuck everybody and <laughs> storm out?
2: I actually had two shifts at Family Guy between writing gigs, which is funny. I was there for four years and then wrote on a TV show for a year and a half. And then kind of my career just shit the bed. So I, had, I they thankfully brought me back into the fold to work production again um so I actually didn't I did though however give my two weeks notice from the set of freaky (laughs) like I went down yeah I went down I went to go down to set for three weeks and then my plan was to come back and work through the rest of the year and while I was down there my pitch officially sold and the deal closed and everything so I called my boss who's like my boss at the time who's like a great friend still to this day and As soon as she picked up the phone, she's like, "You're quitting, aren't you?" And I was like, Uh. "Yeah." So I actually put in my two weeks, finished my three weeks down in Atlanta, did go back to LA, did come back to LA, worked those two weeks because they were very good to me, and they let me leave for three weeks to go on this film and and stuff. And then I immediately went back to Atlanta to finish up the shoot so I could be there for the rest of it. Um, Wow. Um,
1: Well, I will definitely get into the the movie and your you know journey there but um before we do what are you watching in quarantine like what is keeping you company
2: um Fantastic. between rewatching like old sitcoms like i'm on a married with children kick right now and i started yeah i love can, that show can we, i started from episode one in season first eight
0: season now. al bundy um <laughs> so and there's 11 seasons
2: Yeah, yeah. And there's my dog. Yes, and I still think he's kind of sexy, like in later seasons too. Like you know, Modern Family, Al Bundy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, not that hot. Not yeah. that. Not that Al Bundy. But like I, season 10 me, season one, man. You'll be surprised. Bundy. I still think is kind of sexy. Okay. He is. okay Yeah. Yeah. He's really young in season one. Yeah. Um, so I've been watching that and I, uh, I did a rewatch of, I started a rewatch of that. I did a rewatch of Seinfeld. I did a rewatch of Will and Grace, but as far as the new Ooh. stuff is going, I just finished Bly Manor literally last night. Oh, and I like it. I liked it a lot. I loved Hill House, um, like the first season of that anthology series, The Haunting of mm-hmm. Hill House. I l- absolutely loved it. Um, so I think I kind of overhyped Bly Manor for myself uh, but i still really enjoy it. mike flanagan mm-hmm. just he explores stuff in such a unique yeah, way
1: like is. And, um no, is exploring some stuff sorry. as we speak <laughs> or maybe that's maybe the that's your dog i don't know um <laughs> no problem comes
0: every comes every fucking day um, when, when is it going to stop being a, a surprise Scooby yes, does that too Six so yeah I've been, i
2: just finished that I know. Hey, they think yeah, we're that. never they think every time we leave the house we're never gonna come home. So yeah. you know. Um so yeah, Blind Manor and then Ooh, okay. and, um what else are we watching? We did a rewatch of Hannibal. Absolutely, um, which is uh, just yeah. fucking awesome. That show is so good, I can swear, right? Fuck yeah, <laughs> okay okay, cool. Um <laughs> Hannibal. I that is something that is always sort of in
1: on my list yeah. and sort of falls off, falls out of my awareness but i'm glad you mentioned
2: it have you have you seen um, any of it no yeah. i would once you start i don't think mm. you'll stop yeah
0: yeah we're we're um in crown i wish i, I had remember. better news for okay you. um what but you um, american ninja warrior there's the whole season that we never got to it was all done sort of oh i love that you know show. nobody can really be together it's in st louis um, this, this season, it, it's such a dumb show that you can sort of pay half attention. It's really fun. It's really fun. It's really fun. It's so fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we just yeah. finished the season yeah. you last can, like, night. Text while you're doing um, it and, do and yeah, stories. I mean, it's yeah, really perfect. been about things that will not challenge us or command Roughly. our full attention because we don't have it to give. Oh, perfect.
2: Perfect. Yeah, I just started Supermarket Sweep. Actually, the perfect of that dose same of thing. Leslie Jones. Yeah. have you Have you watched any of the, the old dose ones of Leslie on Jones Netflix nice. and or Buzzer? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, because that was the show I used to watch when I got home yes, from school, like in junior high. Because yeah. I think it reran on like it's Lifetime or something, um, and I loved it thought it was so it, fun.
0: it could not yeah. be dumber. It truly It is. there's it's no really it and it's so stupid. <laughs> and the ABC reboot hasn't tried to make it any less dumb. They yeah. just added it's so Andrew dumb. Jones. Yeah, it's just yeah, go get those hams. And that's why it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Get those bonus blowups. Yep. Yeah, I'm <laughs> uh, I'm a really The fan. bonus blowups. I, I those things that, are still how the there. This one was just you know, <laughs> uh, it was the last sincere thing that happened in our culture, you know. And it's it's beautiful. Oh, thank
2: you. That's a really good point.
1: It's a good way to put it. Michael, I wanted to ask you when we did your podcast, which I know yeah. is no longer with us, but uh that you're obviously a horror buff, but what are mm-hmm. your sort of all time touchstones?
2: As far as film or yeah. Or horror or yeah, horror films. Horror films. Um, okay, so I always turn to The Exorcist, which I think is the scariest movie ever made, and I also think it's a perfect movie. I rewatched that. I rewatched that all the time, and I just rewatched it recently, and it really is a perfect film. Um, so The Exorcist for sure. Hall- the original Halloween. Um, the original Black Christmas. Um, and these are any movie I'm mentioning is something I'd rewatch at least oh. once, probably a season, like not just once mm-hmm. a year, but like once a season. And then, um, why especially Scream? Scream 2? and Scream two, I'm absolutely obsessed with, especially Scream two. Um, I think those are like, I think Scream two is like the height of nineties horror, even more so, than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's peak Wes Craven. I think it's his best directed movie um it's just such yeah. a wild fun energetic and that cast oh, i thought the cast so of scream weird. one was good scream two's cast is like just such a time capsule it's um, killer and the the, the
1: classroom we just did a rewatch of scream two like a week love ago it. and love the, movie. the the classroom scenes it's like sarah michelle Geller, joshua jackson yeah. jerry o'connell just uh, timothy be, oliphant
2: uh jamie kennedy like um jerry o'connell elise neal like I mean, and I think it's like peak, the peak of Sidney Prescott and Gail Weathers arcs Mm -hmm. um, in the series. So I'm absolutely obsessed with them. Scream, I credit for being the thing that made me want to be a writer in the first place. So those, those movies have like a really special place in my heart and I just can't wait for the next one. Oh,
1: what are your hopes for the new Scream? Well,
2: I read it. So what can you tell us? I got to read it. I can't tell you anything other than it's the script is fucking fantastic the trio is used to perfection for the first time since scream 2 and i think you'll love the new characters and story i can say that i'm so excited yeah it's a great script a really great smith like very smart i went in reading it thinking like what else are they going to have to say about horror at this point because there's not to me like the, the first two especially spoke to the trends that were going on yeah. at the time, you know, or like the downward trend that was going on when the first one came out, it was just like, what are they going to comment on? Like a 24 horror, like not enough people know about a 24 nice. horror, or like, are they going to talk? About, I don't know. There's just like the beauty of horror right now is there's so much of it. And it's all so very different that there really isn't a trend. Um, mm-hmm. But they really found an angle um, that I think people are going to be surprised by. And I don't want to spoil that because it's, it's actually pretty clever. I'm um,
1: so excited yeah it's really good um so i i've heard chris landon on another podcast tell his story of how freaky came to be um so now it is your turn to tell <laughs> your side of the story i hope we have the same story and, <laughs> um and i, I mean I know, I know that it all started with you
2: yeah you know um so the story always starts out on a downer note because it starts with my dad dying. <laughs> just God, might as well just laugh just at start. it. Thanks. My dad died in April of 2018 and I had a I had a rough go of it right after. Um, we had a really good relationship, but we also had a little bit of tension ever since I came out to him. Um, so there was a lot of regret when he died and also a lot of anger, but also a lot of sadness because I did love my dad. But i was sitting watching happy death day of all movies one day and this is i actually didn't even know chris at the time so like june or july of the same year i was sitting watching that movie and i was watching a scene where tree the main character is talking to her mother and it's really it was really emotional for me i started crying because i started thinking of my dad and i started wondering if Chris at the time who I didn't know, but I always looked up to his, his career. I was wondering if he was maybe exploring his own grief with the death of his father um, through that movie. So I started thinking, I want to explore my grief. Um, and then my very next thought was, okay, so how do I rip this movie off? <laughs> so I was like, this is so genius to take Groundhog Day and put it in the slasher world. What is another movie I can do that with? Right. And cut to that night I'm laying in bed and it like hit me. It was freaky Friday. So I like literally typed myself a one sentence email. So I wouldn't forget it in the morning um, and woke up in the morning. I was like, Oh, this actually isn't a terrible idea. Um, Cause sometimes I'll do that. And then I'll look in the morning and be like, what the fuck is this email even right. saying? this is trash. Um, so I then spent like three or four days Googling, thinking someone had probably had to have made this movie already. Like, I was convinced it was an idea that someone had already done, and I was just forgetting the movie and stuff. So, after about three or four days of doing that, I realized maybe no one did make this movie. So, I started putting it together in my head and sending myself notes and that kind of thing. But then, fortunately, that summer, I sold a pilot to the CW. So, I spent about five months writing that. So, I kind of put the idea in the drawer. And as I was writing the pilot, I was doing my podcast for Blumhouse. And through them, I was able to get. Chris on the show. Um, and we clicked on the show and became friends. So we started hanging out every once in a while, having lunch and stuff. And then in January, February, 2019, CW passed on my show. So I found myself with some free time, like back to being like, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to do. And I was like, Oh, I should pull killer body out of the drawer. That's what it was called at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wrote up like a nine page treatment and was going to take it out to pitch. And I had a meeting actually set up with Blumhouse to pitch on a Thursday um, and happened to be having lunch with Chris on a Tuesday. And this was, I think, early March at this point of last year. And I was just telling him I was getting ready to pitch. And Chris is so nice. He offered to actually coach me on this pitch Um, and was like, I can meet with you tomorrow. I know what those guys want to hear. I know exactly how to pitch to Blumhouse because he's done like 10 movies with them. Um, so we got together the next day and we both decided it was weird for me to sit and pitch him a movie cause we were friends. So he just decided to read my nine pages and honestly, like 20 minutes later, Chris started Listener doing this thing with his them. fingers mm-hmm. that I'm doing in front of you guys right now mm-hmm, where he's mm-hmm. like picking at them. And now I know that yeah. that, yeah, he's picking at his fingers and I now know that means Chris Landon's thinking cause he does that <laughs> when he's thinking. Okay. And then he started pacing and then he started pitching. He's like, what if you did this? What if you did this? What if you did this? And I just kind of looked at him and I was like, would you want to do this with me? Like, just kind of being like, fuck it. I'm just going to ask him. And he's like, yeah, I actually want to make this movie. Um, So we left this meeting both being like, let's talk to our reps, sleep on it. You know, make sure this is both right for both of us. Let's circle back in the morning, but by like four o'clock that afternoon we were both texting each other be like, what the fuck are we waiting for? Let's just do this. Jesus. Um, So we literally started the next day. And
1: then you did the pitch to Blumhouse together.
2: So we actually decided to spec the film. Um, Chris is really, he's got a really good instinct for which way he wants to go on a project, whether it's a pitch or writing a spec or any other thing you can do. And his thought was let's spec it because this is a type of project that I think could sell on a script as opposed to being stuck in development hell for two fucking years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started the next day re outlining my outline. So we kind of took beats from my outline and kind of restructured the whole movie. Um, and then wrote it in like four weeks. Um, and took it to Blumhouse because Chris's relationship with them and I had my show with them. So we took it to them on a Thursday, kind of just being like, it's going to go wide on Monday, but here's, here's like your first, like you get first crack at it, so to speak. Um, And I feel weird telling the story because like, it'll never happen again. And it sounds like everything's so easy <laughs> because we gave it on Thursday. God. We got an offer Friday, the deal closed Saturday and the movie was Greenland on Sunday. And, any listener that's not versed in film, this will never fucking happen again. Um, yeah, I don't know, you know what I, mean? I didn't <laughs> think it works that way. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it just got very lucky. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all came together. Like, And and it got made storm. really
1: quickly, too, which is, that's the thing, the, like, TV writers never want to do features because they say nothing ever takes gets made. Forever. It takes forever.
2: But this was, yeah. like, really fast-tracked. Wildly fast, yeah. So we started in March... Finished writing it in May. It sold. I can tell you like the dates because it's my first film. So I have everything ingrained in my memory. It sold on May 9th. It was greenlit on May 12th. And Chris was in production on October 12th.
1: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. So come he like immediately on. went into here's my dog, by the way. She's like climbing on top Dude. of me. Uh, oh, <laughs> Scooby. Come on. let's get it. oh, come on. So um it went to yeah. So the right after we they bought it, we we turned around a rewrite really quick, and then he immediately got into casting and pre production and stuff. It was it was crazy. It was a freight train. It was twenty months from sale to release.
1: Did you guys talk about Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton while you
2: were writing? Or, we or were, were these big surprises to you? Um, there were big surprises to me that we got them both. Um, because we did write kind of hoping Catherine would play Millie in thinking Vince would play the butcher. Like we wrote, we didn't write specifically towards them, but we wrote going, okay, how cool would it be if Vince Vaughn took his comedic sensibility and brought it into this 17-year-old girl? And then Chris had worked with Catherine before and really enjoyed working with her. And I always thought she had that. I really didn't get familiar with her until Big Little Lies and watching Big Little Lies, I always loved her like it's kind of her intense eyes. So we kind of wrote going, oh, I hope they do this movie because we were kind of writing stuff for them. Um, And as Chris says, he's like, I would have felt lucky getting one of the two of them and assuming he'd get neither of them and somehow we got both. Um, So it's in theaters right now um, and it's going to be on BOD though, December 4th. So it was kind mm-hmm. of the first or second of wow. that new universal AMC deal where they have like a 17 day uh-huh. window. Um, so they, right. they ended up doing that with it. There was talk for a while of maybe pushing it to next year or just putting it on yeah. PVOD, but they decided okay. to use that new like platform deal. I think they call it. So it's been kind of weird, you know, cause like, I'm like tweeting like go see my movie but I'm like Carefully
0: go see my movie. Do I want to be telling people to go? People are going to see it. Carefully go see my movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually was tweeting look. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually tweeting out like like, I'm OCD so I like literally was finding like all these local drive-ins that were playing it and like for like a week I was tweeting out like all the local drive-ins that were playing the movie and like sending those out on twitter so i'm like if you want to go see the movie go here you know what i mean um so yeah it's really it's bittersweet you know because we didn't get like the big fancy premiere and we didn't get yeah you know to do an, a second test screening like chris normally would have gotten to do and we didn't get to do all like you like, have a movie stuff, out in theaters but and you got the shit the lit the day, in like, like 45 shit, minutes have a movie out in theaters like quit your complaint yeah, yeah. <laughs> quit your complaining. you know Yeah. And you know, like as my, the producer on the movie yesterday, I talked to him, he goes, I don't give a shit how much money it's made because of the pandemic. We had the number one movie in America for two weeks. So who gives a shit if it made 3 million bucks? Like, Well, what I love about
1: this story is that it is this like Hollywood fairy tale, the way that it has unfolded, but it also sounds like for you, it was very, it was a long time coming. Like you have, you alluded to, some real you know sort of career dips before yeah. before then um which makes it you know more inspiring to me um because I'm definitely no stranger to that so what right. what was life like before this all you know started to fall into place
2: I mean yeah and that's like a really good point that you bring that up because it does sound like a fairy tale but I always you know when I do talk about it in detail it was like an 11 year process, you know. I've been in LA 11 years. Um and things I've done throughout the years have led to Freaky. It wasn't just like this magical thing in a way it was, but like I never would have met Chris if I didn't have that podcast, you know what I mean? Then I never would have had that podcast if I didn't meet the people at Blumhouse, and I never would have met the people at Blumhouse if I didn't have a spec script out 4 years ago that they liked but didn't make, you know what I mean? So it was like a big number of steps that took me to freaky. So, you know, for the first four years, it was just kind of like, it was hard. You know, I was new, um, had no money, was working a production gig, living paycheck to paycheck. Um, while also trying to like read every script I can get my hands on to actually learn the process. Cause I moved out here to write and thought I knew how to write, but at the minute I got out here and got anywhere near a production, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. You know what I mean? It's like, I had to go to school while working, you know, through like, not actual school, but like I was literally schooling myself while I was at work every day on just the ins and out of television and stuff. Um, so it was a struggle. It was a struggle for a long time. It was four years of production work before I got my first TV writing gig. And, you know, and it, at the time it felt like, okay, this is the breakthrough I need. Um, and this is the breakthrough I've earned because I wrote a ton and, you know, wrote spec after spec after spec. And it was at the time when people still wrote specs of exi- existing shows. So I did that quite a bit, you know. Um, so I remember getting that gig and being like, oh, my God, it's happening. I'm going gonna, gonna to be in TV forever. Because that's which, the thing everyone says. That first job yeah, is the hardest part. And then for it there, is. it's... It's, it's like, yeah, you'll it. get the next one, you know. And it just didn't happen for me. I you know it's like that classic couldn't find a gig so the agent stopped returning phone calls manager dropped me you know i like was literally back at square one 6 years into being in la um and i was also older so it for me it felt like it felt like more of a failure at 35 than it did at 28 you know what i mean oh. because like it's like, well, what the fuck do I do now? I'm 35 years old. And thankfully, I did two things that year. I got sober and I met my boyfriend, who I'm still with. And it really just put a lot of stuff in perspective. He he helped me with my sobriety and helped me be like, you're good at this. Just keep working at it. It's like something's going to happen for you if you keep pounding the pavement. And that's really what I did. I just pounded the fucking pavement. Like, like start over 2.0 is what I call it. Like I really just like had to will stuff to happen. And that's exactly what I did. Um, what did like pounding freaking... the pavement look like? Um, you know, it was utilizing relationships that I made and not in a way that was, you know, the thing I always tell <clears throat> young kids when they, I get messages now, which is weird to me being like, how did you make it? You know, and it's like forming, I use relationships that I formed that were authentic and it wasn't like just using people to get in the door or anything. So I just utilized my relationships. And the biggest thing I did was I had this spec script that I'd written an actual, uh, also a slasher movie um, that was gaining a little traction around town with readers and stuff, but I couldn't get it made. So I eventually just put together a big table read. And doing that was like the biggest, the best decision I ever made because it actually opened the door to new relationships. And one of them was with Blumhouse. Um So I did things like that all the time. I wrote a pilot, a comedy pilot, did a big table read for that. I read people's scripts that they wanted stuff to be read. Um, I just really cultivated my relationships. And a lot of them ended up being like good friends, you know? Um, And the thing is, is I kept writing. I just kept writing. Like writing and writing and writing and writing and writing until... Like, I don't know, it got to a point when I did the pilot for the CW, that basically was because I was just kind of annoying. <laughs> like I found somebody, a friend of mine and I had this idea together and we just decided to put this pitch together. And we just went out to people that we knew that we thought would be like, had the same sensibility for the script. Cause it was a really weird concept horror comedy that I did where it was essentially like Sydney Prescott from the first Scream and Laurie Strode from Halloween H2O having to team up to stop a killer in their small town, but like their small town makes these survivor girls famous just for surviving a serial killer. Um, and like the Jamie Lee Curtis character is like super desperate because her star power is waning because with each attack every four years, because she had this leap day killer, is what we called it mm. every four years, the killer, the fanfare with the killer would get less and less to the point that like no one gave a shit anymore, you know? <laughs> um, so we like, just like, My writing partner on it and I just like kind of willed that into existence. We like hounded a producer friend of ours to get attached to it until he finally did. And then we were able to take it to a studio through those relationships and just managed to just, I don't know, a lot of it was timing and stuff, but we really just kind of took no for an answer, like wouldn't take no for an answer when it came to that. Um, And got it into the CW and they bought the damn thing. So, you know, it was just a lot of like, ignorance is what I say. Like not knowing any better um, has really helped me. Are
0: are you able to generate that like belief in your ability on your own or do you just like plow through and hope for the best? Like do you you fight with like that sort of imposter syndrome that a lot of writers do?
2: Uh A little bit of, oh yeah, all the time, all the time. Um, I'm always convinced that anything I do, is going to fall apart as it continues, if that makes sense. Like, for instance, the second movie I'm doing, um, they love the concept, but then I told myself for the two weeks leading up to the pitch, they're going to hate the pitch, they're going to pass. And then they buy the pitch. And I'm like, okay, now I have to write the outline. And they're going to read the outline, and they're going to toss it in the garbage and say, why did we waste our time with you? You know what I mean? And then they send me off the script based on the outline. And then I'm writing the script. I'm like, oh, they're going to, they're going to hate this. Why do they buy, they're going to hate this. They're going to hate it. They're never going to make this movie. And I do that every step of the way. What I will say working with Chris Landon um, on Freaky and he's actually producing my second movie has really um, allowed me to open myself up to realizing I actually do have some sort of talent here, and it's not just Mm -hmm. luck. It um, so I'm starting to, I'm learning to appreciate myself. If that makes sense.
1: Um, But that imposter,
2: yeah, the imposter syndrome always is there, though always. I
1: I mean, and I, I'm not, I am not a a sober person, but I do have a familiarity with uh, twelve step programs, and I would imagine that sobriety would play a big role in just the like the facing of those demons that we're talking about like the the like asking you to be accountable for yourself and sort of the just like the self-examination that is involved in it if that makes any sense
2: yeah it does and it does help because for me i i had a lot of anger when i drank um my drinking r- resulted in a lot of just negativity and not working. It was easier to be drunk and then go, well no one will fucking hire me, it's everyone else's fault than to like be like, well a you need to quit drinking and be I don't know maybe write something you can give to people because <laughs> they're not going to just hand you a job, you know. Um so yeah, there was a lot of clarity in that and a lot of it for me was just uh, just being nice. Like when I got sober, one of my biggest things I, I told myself I wanted to do to do and be was just be a nicer person. And I wasn't like a raving lunatic asshole when I drank, but I just had a streak in me at times that came out and it negatively affected my friendships and my uh, relationships with boyfriends, work environment sometimes got affected because of it. Um, so the biggest thing that I wanted to Takeaway with sobriety before even the writing was just like, okay, why don't you just try being a nicer person and a less angry person? Um, and that really helped because I started realizing like, I actually have a really niceness to me if I just let it come out. And it really started helping me build solid relationships with friends or industry folk, you know? Um, and I stay in touch with a lot of those people that I, I stay in touch with almost everyone I've worked with, you know, Um, because I, I don't know, it's just, it's just something I strive to do when I got sober. And I think it's helped in my work. So
1: you mentioned you met your boyfriend. It's sort of coincided with, with getting sober. What was it like to date and, and get into a relationship, you know,
2: sober for the first time? You know, it, um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I think I got really lucky meeting him when I did, because I was only about four months sober when I met him and I had gone into my sobriety, um, looking back on it now, telling myself it didn't need to be permanent if I didn't want it to be. Um, I went in going, okay, let's just give this a shot and see what happens. And my boyfriend is like nine years sober. So when I met him, he was several years into his path of sobriety. Um, So meeting him changed my life in this sense in so many ways, but with sobriety, it changed my life in the sense of like, oh shit, dude, you need to do this forever. Like (laughs) there's no semi sobriety. You're either sober or you're not. And he just gave me the strength and the ability to like have that conversation with myself because I think I was still avoiding it, even though I was successfully a few months sober. Um, Yeah. So I think it would have been a lot harder had I not met another sober person. Honestly, um, yeah, I think as with I would it really have easily fallen out, you Need to see somebody in the
0: life drinking. who's happy, and I mean, do you need you need a, a north star?
2: Probably, such a good way to good comparison. Yeah, yeah, you need that person that's going to kind of hold your hand and say, "Hey, it's going to be okay." You know, and that's what he was for me and he still is, you know, and he immediately yeah. in the early stages of our, our relationship, he was the one that read that spec script that I couldn't get sold and goes, this is a really good script. You should try to just do anything with this, whether it's try to get it financed yourself, do a table read, you know, enough people that like Alex Forstein did my table read for that. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, he's like, you know, enough people that you could put together a really good read. Um. And that actually was another thing that helped not only in my career, but then I spent the next three months putting that together. And it was like, I wasn't working. I was sober. I had many reasons to stop, like to start drinking again. And it really was like the first time in my sobriety where I, for like three months I had a real sense of just like what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. And like, I had something keeping me moving, you know, like, It gave me like my first sense of belonging as a sober person. Um, And it's, it's stayed with me since then. And I'm glad it really was tied to my work because I think it's helped me with my work ever since, you know?
1: What was dating like? How would you characterize your like dating patterns and relationships before
2: your current boyfriend? I would meet somebody who, well, I would meet somebody and then like try to glom on to them almost right away. Um, it was like such a desperation to be in a relationship, honestly. Um, and that always ended up coinciding with me doing that with, a person who would take advantage of it. Um, so the persons that people I ended up with were just really shitty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I found myself in three relationships in a row where like the first month or two is like super fun and exciting. And then as soon as it like started to get like, start settling into some sort of um, routine, I guess, for lack of a better word, it quickly delved into feeling shitty about myself all the time. Um a, first three relationships I had in LA were with people that were just, I don't want to say abusive because um, I think it lessens people who are actually abused, but like really low self-esteem on my end, you know, being told I was ugly and fat and that's abusive. this man. problem and this problem and this problem and this problem. I'm like, Oh, it sounds boyfriend. abusive yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was like, that was what dating for me was like when I was, Sober, I think I was, or when I was drinking, is I think I was unconsciously looking like for this. Fix that type relationship of that once and for all, kid. I'm gonna make you love me. Um, you know, um, yeah. I was like saying, I yes, I'm gonna get that person that treats me like shit to understand who I am, yeah. and no, <laughs> it didn't happen. You know, um, and. So yeah, so then when I um I did that for a few years. Um and then my drinking got to a point where I couldn't even maintain any relationship because dudes would be like after like two or three dates to be like, Yeah, I can't spend any time with you. You know what I mean? Um it was just kind of toxic. I was toxic. And I had a lot of that like a lot of my drinking was centered around my inner homophobia too. Right. And mm-hmm dating those guys were part of that, you know. What um, is
0: it about so it the it horror tough. genre that that hooked you?
2: Yeah. Well for me, I mean the first movie I saw really saw was Scream. Um, I, yeah. my brother actually made me watch like 10 minutes of Halloween when I was nine. And Did you think about it in between? Out you like, so I didn't oh, watch another okay. horror movie until I was 16 years old. Um, okay. Okay. Oh yeah, I would yeah. like see a commercial for a Freddy movie and like run out of the room. Um, it was so scary to me. So then my friends in high school tricked me into watching Scream because stupid 16 yeah. year old me, they were like, oh, it's a rom-com. Of course, of course there's a rom-com mm. named Scream. Um, so they like take me to the theater. And I was instantly hooked on the adrenaline um, and like being scared. But the big draw for me, even that very first time was the final girl. Um, It was seeing. I think that's why horror resonates with a lot of gay guys is like, I think we see ourselves in those characters. And I'm like, so thankful that the very first one I got to experience is like one of the best ones ever. In, with Nev Campbell because um, her character is just so strong um, and really empowers herself but she started out in a spot that I always felt I was in which was quiet, shy and like kind of ignoring your reality um, I was 16 and closeted and she was 16 and refusing to believe that you know like her mom was not the person she thought she was or that the wrong person mm-hmm. killed her mother and like not the same thing, but kind of is, right? Like, you know, we're denying our own existence to ourselves and to the world. Um, and I I tell the story a lot because I love it so much. But I literally can re- pinpoint, like, the moments in that movie where, like, I could almost feel my brain chemistry changing. And was, like, addicted to what I was seeing, but also was just so emotionally moved. And I think for me, I got really lucky for that movie to be my real first experience. because. I'm drawn to that now I'm drawn to the emotional journey that these characters have. So I find myself really gravitating and horror always, but like to that type of horror. Um, So for me, it resonates on more than just a visceral level. It's just like literally an emotional journey. And it's been a part of my life now for like almost 25 years. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's weirdly like family. (laughs) Like, and so I just like, I just identify with all of it, you know, I can, I can, I can put myself in any horror movie, if that makes sense. I could put myself in a City Prescott shoes or a Gale Weather shoes as a queer person and make their experience queer um, to me. And I think that's it's, the beauty I, of the genre. I, I, I think, think I
0: saw a Scream when so I was, well, I guess I must've been 25 in the theater and I was with my boyfriend at the time, and I was like, just don't wet your pants. Just don't wet your pants. It was early in the relationship. I am so squeamish that I can't deal, but it is, it is such a popular genre, especially among queer people. And I've always just, I don't know, I've just been curious about the connection.
2: Yeah. I think we see, I think queer people see themselves in, in those characters. I think they see themselves as, uh-huh. you know, being oppressed, pushed down, told you're less, you're not worthy. Um, and I think yeah. that's why we're able to identify with the genre so much, you know? Um, and I think that we can even do that with the villains sometimes because Jennifer's body is a great example yeah. of putting yourself in her shoes. You're a queer person just fighting the fuck back. And like making people pay for all the shit they've done to you your whole life. Um, and I think that's, you know, there's a fantasy element to it too, I think for a lot of queer folk. And I think it's the first time as a young queer kid in the closet where I felt seen as a person, um, you know, cause horror is trans transgressive by definition. So you just kind of feel like, Oh, this is like outsider stuff I'm watching. They see me, whether it's intended for me or not. They see me as a person because they're doing something that yeah. by society standards isn't quote unquote normal, you know? Yeah. So I think that's why yeah. the queer community is so into horror. Mm. Plus
1: it's fun. Did, as well. It's the most fun. Did, did you see, did you grow up on, I mean, the one horror area I do really geek out on is a nightmare on Elm street. Did you, I, I'm sure you must've thoroughly explored a nightmare on Elm street too. Yes, like doing your podcast. and uh-huh. You've seen the documentary and yep,
2: yeah, yeah. seen everything on that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, same. I we did we actually did on Queer Wolf we covered uh, Nightmare yeah. two and three, because um, yeah. two is known as the gayest one, right? Like everyone says it's like the gayest horror movie ever made, but I actually have a a take that I think three is actually an even gayer film. Mm. Um, because it's all these teenagers they are in a, a mental hospital being mm-hmm. cured by these doctors that fucking hate them. Yeah. Long story short. And to me, it's just such a metaphor that I literally watched that movie and I go, every single one of these characters is queer. Yeah. They're trying to unqueer them. So, like, if you watch that movie again, look at it that way and let me know wow. what you think because I think it's way queerer than two um yeah i'm like yeah, kind of so obsessed true. yeah
1: yeah because it's they are the they are all like only able to live out their their fantasies in their dreams yep. and that and that that's the thing that God gets used
2: against them it's the only place they're safe yeah yeah in their heads and then it gets invaded by Freddy. but it wouldn't be invaded by Freddy if it wasn't for the fucking doctors that are telling them there's something wrong with all yeah uh, and Nancy's total hardcore lesbian to me in that movie too. oh <laughs> total lesbian that's... in part three. Her boyfriend died in part one. She had a journey between one and three where she realized, wait a minute, I'm actually a lesbian. I'm into like soft which <laughs> women like Johnny Depp and she's, she's and then a she's this that, that,
1: that doc, <laughs> Craig Wesson or whatever the doctor's name is is trying to date her in part three, but it's clearly not working. And she's clearly
2: like bro. <laughs> We could yeah. be buddies. Maybe Ugh. we could go see a Dodgers game. Together. I, uh, I need to revisit um, that. Here's the thing with the,
0: the slasher genre <laughs> yeah. for me. God, that's so true. All I can think about is those poor parents getting that phone call. That's truly, I, I get I get a deep mournful sadness. No, you should because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. But like when I was eight, I laugh, Friday the 13th for the first time, it was like, so I oh, had such high hopes for, <laughs> yeah. for those kids. That's all I think
2: about. Oh my god, I've never thought of that. Like the yes. like sheriff yes. or whatever in every Such five sadness. Days, like movie that has to make like nine Such phone calls the next mournful day. mournful energy. But like a string of parents. i never thought of that. Well, oh
0: my god, that should I be... Mean, well, you're getting shit like, green left an and right, so bring me on.
2: A movie. <laughs> That's
1: great. It's
2: literally that, is so like that one. That I, know so I wish sweet. I could just turn
0: it off and enjoy a fucking slasher but oh, fuck I can't.
1: Not yet.
2: Did you see Freaky? Have you guys got to see Freaky yet? Okay.
1: No, I was looking I couldn't find a drive in, yeah, in like a drive in, a in, a in and Maybe I looked yeah. to
2: maybe I missed it. All the, the drive ins are like an hour away and yeah. kinda of yeah. stu- sucks. Yeah.
1: We will have seen yeah. it by the time this comes out, and everybody oh, else should obviously Michael. see it on uh, on VOD.
2: Yeah,
1: therapeutic, um, inspirational. This is so terrifying, so fun, and uh, You're everything you need. You're the best. Ah, uh, e- e- everything it. you need. <laughs> to, uh, like our favorite kind of horror movie,
2: with so much heart. It it is. So if I can, like, self-plug Freaky, because I absolutely love this movie, and I'm so proud of it. It is so fun at the end of the day. Like, that's the most important thing. I think people will have so much fun watching the movie, especially right now. Um, But I think the thing people, which is why I think we're getting such good reviews from critics, which we actually didn't expect. We thought we'd get decent reviews and stuff. But I think it's resonating with people, because when they see the movie, they go, wait a minute, there's, like, a heart at the center of this story um so i think that's the thing i'm most excited for when it drops on vod is people being able to see it at home and going oh this is actually kind of a sweet movie i was actually reading a review yesterday because this is my first movie so of course i've read every fucking review of the movie that's come out um and someone wrote something like it's the most wholesome r-rated slasher gory movie you'll ever see in your life and wow. I thought that was kind of on point because it really has a wholesome quality to it weirdly because it's just so sweet. And like, I always call it the land and heart. Like it has mm-hmm. the Chris Landon heart that he brings to everything that he does. Um, and it's really queer. I'm that's so what I
1: was going to say. Yeah, I, uh, uh really Price Peterson man. tweeted about it that, you know, this movie is way queer than you think it's going to be.
2: It's super queer. Um, which I'm really proud of. Chris and I definitely did that on purpose. Um, You know, we're both queer um, and we both set out to, we didn't set out to like change the genre or anything, but we both just set out and said, okay, what kind of movie did we want to see when we were 16 that we never got to see? Um, And that's why we wrote a lot of what we did in freaking. That's why we created the character of Joshua. um, Who's this big, loud, unabashedly gay kid in the movie. Um, so I'm really excited for people to see it because that character represents who I wish I was when I was 16.
0: Hmm.
2: Wish I had that confidence and the support
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, to be so openly myself, the way this character is. Um, so I'm really excited for people to see it.
1: Yeah. So are we. So excited to see it. Queer Twitter's going nuts about it. So people it really need to they see are. if they want to so be part of the conversation and so don't sleep on this. <laughs> truly Um, thank you so
2: much michael thank you guys this was a joy yay
0: well matt
1: we've come to the end of another episode dave 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 Dave, Dave, Dave. thank you for being here with me giving me a reason to live thank you matt Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for reviewing us on Apple Podcasts with five stars only, of course. Thank you to Renee Colvert with a T, Mm -hmm. our our producer. Thank you to Ryan Connor, our engineer. Thank you to everybody at Earwolf. Uh Thank Um, you, Ben Wise, for the music. Yes. And thank you, listener,
0: for listening. Uh, Tell a friend, leave a review. We love you.